Welcome Mr. to Ricky Ricardo. Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to go with that. But uh, we're not gonna go. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. When you when, when, when you picked up the phone. Yeah. Uh, go go. Oh no 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 no. No no no. When you when you picked up the phone, I. I didn't know if you were doing your, uh, if you're doing a different voice, or if you were still trapped in William F. Buckley. No, um, no, I was. I wish I'd thought about it like for a half second before saying what I said, because what I should have said was, um, imagine if you will a penis, but it's mm-hmm. not an ordinary penis. It's very small, so small in mm-hmm. fact, no one can find it mm. in a place where imagination. And your genitals might be the same thing. That's right. This is a story from the Twilight Zone. Imagine a world where having a penis and imagining that you had a penis were really one and the same. (laughs) Imagine, if you will, a podcast not about genitalia. It doesn't exist. But a small group of people who believe that it could might have just discovered... The most dangerous belief system mankind has ever experienced. Oh man, this is so good! Right after like reading that feedback from that 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 person. Oh, that's one hundred percent what it was about. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was talking about. Yeah, exactly. About, yeah. <laughs> well, she said she actually listened to two episodes, and I was like, "Wow, I was." You were just making sure that it wasn't for you. You're like, I know, I'm pretty sure. Let me listen to it. Yeah, I know. I'm definitely positive that this is horrible. That's good, though. It's like, yeah, I so often in life, almost, almost, um, I, I'm starting to worry about my own discernment as a person because I hmm. feel like I might be falling a bit into like, um, into con- confirmation bias where I will mm. think I don't like something and give it another go, like a second, you know, a second episode or whatever. And at this point, yeah, if if it's something that I was like, no, I don't think so, I get to the second episode and I'm like, no, I definitely, definitely don't like this. Like, I... Oh, interesting. That maybe isn't... I I, I don't know if that is fair, if that happens much, much more than me, like, encountering something and being like, I don't know about this. I feel like if I'm gonna like something, maybe I won't love it right away, but I'll be like, no, this is good. I don't get why it's good yet, but I will at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think it, w- it would also require you to, like, think about how often you go completely out of your, like, comfort zone. Like, to, to which I, I think you do. I think you're, you're, you're relatively, like, you're, you're willing to, um, like, read something or listen to something or do whatever. Something that you're, 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 like, not confident you will like. Even if you're, like, pretty sure you won't like it. You'd be like, hey, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. I, I, and I like in those instances. Yeah, I like to imagine I'm good at that. Yeah, yeah. So I think y- you might be like looking at it, at a sample of things that you've done that with, where you know you won't like it going into it, or like not 100% no, but you're pretty sure you won't, and you're like, nah, fuck this, I don't like it. But I think you're you have a more like open mind and are more tolerant of things that you're not sure that you like than you are giving yourself credit for. Oh, uh, maybe I I suppose I am also like just turn this whole podcast into an episode of my a discussion of my aesthetic <laughs> sort of sensibilities and approach to things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I do think I'm more sensitized to ideology than a lot of people are when mm-hmm. they encounter stuff. Like I'm immediately like I I have very 
uh, I have a very hard time encountering basically uh, anything and not thinking about what the person's like trying to get me to accept as like a worldview, even if they're not mm-hmm. really cognizant of how that's like affecting whatever they're doing. Because um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Just worldview as a as a thing that is constantly gotcha. activated is a um, well, and you yeah. know that could we could burrow so deeply into discussions about like class and um and education and all kinds of stuff that are related mm-hmm. to those concepts but you know there is th- yeah. what part of the problem and, and i think that this can all relate to stuff that we're going to end up talking about in the actual content mm-hmm. of this episode which we're not going to tell we're not going to tell you yet dear listener what that is mm-hmm. we'll, even we'll though it'll be in the it. episode title yeah but yeah. uh you're gonna we want to confuse you for a little bit longer I mean, into thinking it might very well be but in some sort of like cryptic way yeah. that literally nobody understands other than us or it just is like uh it just is the only episode title we've ever done where it's just flatly like this is what we're talking about and then yeah. you spend several minutes going like what am i even listening to the right podcast like neither of them sound mm-hmm. tipsy yet what's going on yeah yeah because yeah. f- this this is a first i think for me i'm drinking i'm drinking um mate instead of uh instead of wow yeah, I'm, not, I'm not even drinking something alcoholic right now that's pretty much the polar opposite yeah yeah. yeah, but um, well, but, you know, no, I guess mate if it was made by somebody who emigrated from Germany, say maybe early to mid twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't really pin down a more specific demographic than that. I think it would be late. Do, do you get? Yeah, late early mid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of like a. So that could be, yeah. and you know, whose family maybe was had something to do with the winemaking industry mm-hmm. in Central Europe. Does that sound like? Am I getting somewhere? Mm-hmm. Am I getting anywhere in the right? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, yep. Um, love Charlie Chaplin. I don't know why that keeps coming up. What? Huh? In my head. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Boho chic is really how I would describe their attire. <laughs> <laughs> my friend brought that up the other day and he was like what the fuck does boho chic like he got just furious recalling about how like recalling how furious he was when somebody said that mm-hmm. described a particular farm wine stand i say that all in quotes but they do call it the wine stand um as uh boho as chic. The, the the aesthetic of yeah. that uh place as boho chic yeah. which first of all means nothing but also like is infuriating when contrasted with what that place like is. Yeah. And uh, I've already talked about them in a uh, un- unkind manner on uh, the Patreon once before. But uh, fuck them. <laughs> uh, they make garbage yeah. wine. And um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, so okay. with the with the worldview thing, I was gonna uh, the a point that I don't know if it needs to be made, but one that I was gonna bring up just to mm-hmm. delve into that a little bit and then try and yep. curve my way into the okay okay the actual buckle in subject folks. yeah well there's yep. like so many things that people are like there are so many things that people are supposed to look at as though they're not associated with any worldview like so many media yep. organizations the new york times is probably the worst defender of this where it's just supposed to be mm-hmm. there i mean the ap mm-hmm. and reuters are kind of the same thing but yep. they're just supposed to like deliver information you know, pretty mm-hmm. much undilute uh, form or undiluted, yeah. uh, and that's like insanely not the case. It, 
<laughs> like yeah, to such yeah. a staggering degree that it's really horrifying yes. that people would ever think so or that like mm-hmm. like this is all a much more like measured reflection of like what i was trying to and it's a thing that people have expressed better than I am doing right now, but it's why the show The West Wing just drives me fucking insane. Mm. Because the idea that... Here we go. The idea that, like, that... Like, the idea that there is some m- median version of the White House that's just, like, in some completely, you know, uh, made-up framing of America, that show is supposed to identify the proper course of behavior that reasonable people can all like just sort of appreciate Mm -hmm. that feels like the mentality of the show which is just such an insane decoupling from history as an actual like boon you just don't get it i know i know you don't get the show i know i don't i and i I, and it means you're a bad person well that's not get have good taste and you can't analyze anything anything well anything and this is me this is me being your your inner dialogue processing that that's that is exactly right um you're never going to accomplish anything and everything you have created uh up until now is even worse than you thought it was 10 minutes ago that's pretty bad man (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um Oh, but that's, so, like, from there... Before you burn it, send it to me. Okay, yeah. Like, make copies and Mm -hmm. send it to me, and then you can burn it. Then I'll burn it, yeah. How about about this? How about you send me the originals, and then you can burn the copies? How about that? Just a bunch of... Just to, you know, save yourself some time. Tell you what, how about I send you the originals and a bunch of photocopies of my ass that I made when I finished photocopying the... uh, Ooh, that's good. The originals. Um, That's great. Yeah, and then I burn the photocopies of the work and my actual Mm -hmm. ass. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I light my ass on fire. You and then I run around ass, town yeah. with... The only part of my body that's on fire is my butt, but I'm running around town um, just screaming at people, my ass is on fire! And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, do you want help? And I'm like, no! I need to tell more people! Yeah, this is not a cry for help. Yeah. This is... I'm like the New York Times. I am spreading the news. Yeah. Uh, all the news that's that can fit that, on my that ass. That can fit on my ass. <laughs> all the news that can fit on my ass. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, but the Boone York Times, the Boone York Times, yeah, the New York Ass Times, as uh, as our fellow, yeah, uh, as our fellow contemporaries of we need media. to be denounced, yeah. otherwise, we will never stop. No, <laughs> well, that's true. Um, yeah, but so the same thing applies to like any. And that's the, one of the reasons that it's such a frustrating, like, way to look at anything, like, with the, with that, you know, mentality of, like, what is this saying to me about the world, or, like, how I should perceive the world? Because it applies to literally mm-hmm. everything, particularly yeah. mine, and this, you know, there are several adages or truisms, truisms probably isn't the right word, cliches might be a better term, about wine, um, things people say as though they're truisms, but they aren't necessarily, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and maybe... Maybe the the uh, greatest one is um, that like fine wines are meant to be aged, and that mm, old nice wine time. is better. <sighs> yeah, and there is a lot of truth to uh, the the quality and like value of old wine, and there is quite a bit of truth in the idea that like a a good wine will age well. Um, like mm-hmm. good wine should be able to do that in in most categorizations of what wine is. But, um, like, 
there's so much, and we've talked about this before, but there's so much built into the idea of being able to age wine, being able to buy wine that has been aged, um, mm-hmm. being able to have the time to go out and find wine that has been aged, being able to have a space where you can age wine for yourself. Um, yeah. Th- there's just so much packaged into that concept. Yeah. It's literally, I was literally going to say there's so much to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> about that. It's a very loaded statement. Um it is. And it's a, and it's one that's very much related to the ideology of so it's one that's related to the ideology of class that has been part of wine's history forever. But mm-hmm. it's one of the it's a very good example sort of of like the frustration of you know, it's like the frustration of like a a really good book that nobody but literary critics reads, you know? Like mm-hmm. books that are read because they're supposed to be really, really good. And some people right. go out and make the effort to like engage with them and can identify on the merits of the work why it is so valuable. But n- mm-hmm. no, n- not enough people are coming into contact with that for it to really have like broad cultural significance. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the people who, and that's a different example because like they're you know there are a bunch of like rich assholes who have trash palates who are just able to buy old interesting wines and drink them mm-hmm. without getting interesting things out of them but there aren't you know just a bunch of rich assholes who sitting around with nothing else to do with their time are reading ulysses just because yeah, <laughs> yeah. it would be very funny <laughs> just thinking mm-hmm. of like uh i guess donald trump doesn't drink but like this is an example of somebody who would like i don't yeah i don't know Blimeth Buckley? Ooh. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if he ever read Ulysses. I, I'm sure he didn't, but... I'm sure he would say he would. Mm. No, I'm sure he but, would um, say he did. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would but, doubt uh, that he did. I don't know. Well, Probably not. Yeah, that is one of the other funny things about many of the, like, when you really get into the to the history of literature deep deeply enough, people like, mm-hmm. like Tolstoy is a perfect example of this. Like, Tolstoy was a like a wild anarchist, like in in a lot of ways. Like he um, mm-hmm. he was a big inspiration for Gandhi. Like he he uh, hmm. built like a whole commune thing that you know people could just come live on for free. Um, you know, participate in the participate in running the operations of this big farm that he uh-huh. inherited, which had a lot to do with like the the you know nature of um, Russian aristocracy and the land holdings that just sort of like were. Um, suddenly still owned by certain families but all of the people who'd like lived on them and run them for generations as slaves um like people who were owned uh suddenly those people didn't belong to the aristocracy anymore and everyone was just like oh mm-hmm. really? how do we make this work <laughs> but yeah i don't know but people sh- people should go read anna karenina uh, is what i'm saying it's a good book but um yeah yeah uh, uh, <laughs> i don't know it's not a bad book. I just like it could have been five hundred pages shorter. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I was like, look, yeah, I get it. You know, I mean, like, I don't get all of it, obviously, but like, I get the gist of it. And uh, you could have taken, you could have taken a lot of this out. Um, but also, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm not on the, on the spectrum that is that I'm making up. That is not actually a real thing. People like to pretend is a real thing. The the Tolstoy Dostoevsky like spectrum mm, of where mm-hmm, your like yeah. references are because I feel like they can be sort of be polarizing. I'm more on the um. This has nothing to do with wine. I mean, it is, but it's tangential. But I want to get back to what we're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think it was a good it was a good tie in um back to back to aging wine because you're right that the there is sort of this like um, implication and like assumption that older wine is better and 
good wine, like only good wine can age mm-hmm. and whatever like good wine actually means, you know. Yeah, and good wine always and, um, will age into something better than right, it right. is currently. And, you know, all these sorts of things, you know. Like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> when, like, okay, like, like everything, it's not like there is some sort of like, you know, hate to break it to critics, but there's no like objective quality of any of this shit. And it's all like if you want to like you can if if there was some sort of like I guess you could construct okay this is the ideal profile for like Cabernet Sauvignon or something and then what you could do is you could measure like the deviation from that ideal and based on like the minimum amount of like very like you know variation from that ideal basically use statistics to determine like a real numerical score for it but that would require like that would be for structure or something and that would require there to be some sort of ideal notion of what Cabernet Sauvignon is but that's like probably the most like accurate way of describing what critics are actually like trying to do in a way but even that's completely bullshit because there's no such thing as like the definitive best Cabernet Sauvignon or whatever because preferences are subjective oh yeah or tastes are subjective and um, yeah I mean, yeah, and, and and I was gonna say, like, furthermore, just wine age is something that some people like. I've talked to a lot of people about this. Some people just don't like old wine. Some yeah. people love old wine. Some people don't like young wines. Some people like old lamps. Some people like half and half, whatever. And if you like younger wine, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great, and it's super convenient for you because you can just go to the store and buy a bottle of young wine. If you like old wine, it's a pain because I'm not, there's gonna be a ton of like the price is immediately gonna go up, uh, in one way or another, whether or not like. The, the most, like, affordable option is, like, I mean, like, last chance shelves, if that's kind of, like, a rarity, that's kind of cheating, but, like, the most affordable option is to buy a bottle of wine now that costs whatever, let's say, $50 or something, or it doesn't have to be, but let's, let's just say 50 for the sake of that number, and you hold on to it for 25 years, and then you drink it when it's 25 years old, versus paying for a 25-year-old bottle of that same wine now, which would cost a lot of money. Well, but obviously, like, yeah. being able to age that wine for that long requires, like, A, B, C, D, like, all these things to be able to um, be held constant, which is itself, you know, some sort of, if you want to be a piece of shit economist about it, you can assign a, a monetary value to each of those things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, and the, the other, so, with what you're saying, the sort of thing that you have to, well, the whole other part of all of this is just how much wine is out there being aged by accident because it just got made <laughs> yeah. and it hasn't been sold uh, on the mm-hmm. timeline that yeah. a shop or a supermarket or whatever, a restaurant, mm-hmm. planned to sell it or projected mm-hmm. to sell it. So in terms of like the price of aged wine, that I would say functionally, like in the in the complex place that the real world is, <laughs> yeah, uh, to once again, make fun of William F. Buckley. Um, <laughs> there, There is a basically inextricable relationship between reputation and aging. So if you yeah. find <laughs> an old bottle of wine, even from maybe a region that is well-regarded, if it is a label you've never heard of or a producer you've never heard of, then mm-hmm. the metrics for how much more expensive it got over time might get all weird. Like, they might still have it for yeah. the price that they originally bought it. And if it's 20 years old, exactly. given inflation yeah, and all yeah. kinds of other things, it might just be <clears throat> very cheap all of a sudden compared to whatever. Totally. Yeah. That's like that restaurant I was telling you about my, by my house where yeah. I was able to get some, like, just outright buy bottles of wine, like unopened bottles of wine from them for 
ridiculous prices because it's a super old school place and they haven't updated some of their prices in a long time and it's just like oh yeah wow that's yeah wild yeah but the entire market as it exists like the 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 market that an economist would care to look at of Mm -hmm. aged wine is one where you're talking about brands which benefit from the concept of aging their wine because of Mm -hmm. those other considerations that legitimate legitimize uh make make legitimate whatever um the mm-hmm. increased price and like the the nature of that so because because there are this is another sort of tangent to this whole thing there are uh sellers and uh producers who build some amount of aging into their their basically their wine production sometimes mm-hmm. to really intense degrees um I don't, you know, I, uh, I think someone was telling me that like only a third of DRC is ever opened when it's within the right window to be drunk. Um, and I don't have any idea. Again, again, what was that? What was that? Uh, what is that window? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, oh, whatever. Did five to 25 years old or something like that. Yeah. And I think that that, like one of the things that was weird about that statement to me, like, I just remember them saying it and being like, huh, well, I mean. Uh, says who i guess like and also how is that being tracked like how do people know that i don't know but yeah but uh, it just kind of leads back to the sort of vagary vagaries around um what aging wine is as a topic like how it's talked about and what it means or what any statement within that like conversation actually means (laughs) because someone's like yeah no it's uh this this wine's too young like okay well when won't it mm-hmm. be too young? Like, how much longer should yeah. we have waited to open it? And we did open it now. And, how, like, how much did it cost? And how much better do you think it's going to be when it's that much older? Mm-hmm. So should we go out and buy another yeah. bottle of it right now or not? Like, yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, I mean, the, the whole thing with, I mean, that's a crazy statistic. But it's one of the, it's, it's crazy because it's, like, not, not really surprising. Like, all you have to do is go on Instagram and yeah. search for hashtag DRC or Domain Romani Conti or whatever. And... You will see people like showing off, being like, "Here's a bottle from 1954," yeah. and it's like, and they'll be raving about it, or whatever. And it's like, maybe it's good, but is every single bottle of 1954 DRC that you see on Instagram still good? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it's very likely the answer is no. Yeah. But people aren't like, ah, shucks, I spent twenty five thousand dollars on this bottle and it was no good. But I can't admit that because then. My peers who also don't really know all that much about wine and are, like, only really drinking this for clout uh, will think I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, sick. Yeah. This has sort of, like, ceased to be what it, like, its original intention was and uh, and really what its substance is. But then we're getting into some sort of more, like, philosophical sort of debate. But um, I don't know. I think the – so I have a good – this it's a it's a it's a story the thing i told you about yesterday where i was like oh i gotta tell you the story about this like crazy wine i had the other day in the story um it's about like a very cool old wine that i got as a gift that i had the other day and do you want to save that for the patreon or do you want to talk about it now uh up to you man either way okay we'll keep talking and we give a little more like background on this and then we can and i can talk about that but Mm. um, we need to build it up a lot so that people yeah yeah people yeah exactly uh, subscribe to the patreon but also get exasperated patreon.com slash cork yeah with the fact that most of our actual episode is just us telling people <laughs> to go listen to the patreon so there's no real content well, here yeah it's all no no yeah it's all on the patreon yeah it's yeah. just a, a 15 minute uh 
winding metaphor that I'm constructing about the idea of aged wine and then, you know, 10 minutes of you explaining that the functions of how people can actually go buy and enjoy aged wine and other Mm -hmm. useful things. And then uh, the remaining, what, 35 minutes is just us saying patreon.com slash cork taint over and over and over. The The rest of it is really us just workshopping out how uh you're gonna reconstruct uh gravity's rainbow mm-hmm. like uh, you're gonna you're gonna rewrite gravity's rainbow but instead of the like the the variety of overarching themes they're gonna be made like like all the parabolas are gonna be made like much more explicitly stated as penises yep chodes and uh yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. instead of plastics it's gonna be yeah. those dildo keychains you were talking about yeah chodes of the strong force Ch- yeah chodes yes. of the strong nuclear force yeah <laughs> Yet the nuclear chodes. So it is. Nuclear chodes. Yeah. This this the unauthorized yeah. sequel to Gravity's Rainbow. <laughs> nuclear chodes. Pension just will write you a review of it for that cover. Be like, honestly, this is an embarrassment, but kind of funny. <laughs> if it wasn't so horrific, I'd find it very funny. Oh no, I think I think it would have to be. <laughs> Above a certain level of horrificness for Thomas Pynchon to pay it any mind to like it. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say that he does have uh, a very like some of his um, some of the books that he's like liked enough to like write cover copy for them and stuff. Um, I mean, I think he wrote a uh, forward to a recent republication of 1984. Like he engages with mm-hmm. a lot of like pretty like straightforward stuff, and then some stuff that's just wild. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. uh, ha 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 ha! As you're just flying a plane right into a, a couple of buildings. <laughs> yeah. Which ones? Which ones would you pick? Well, um, you know, ha 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 ha! Just yeah, you know, just it's funny you say eyes that. wide open. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> oh man, are we editing that out? Nah. Uh, well, I was just thinking. There's like, I think is it is it a cake song? Uh, I bombed Korea every night. Who did that song? Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, I found a really weird uh, album name, and I did more research into the band, and I was like, oh, this isn't really that weird. Um, but the the name of the yeah. album that I was really, really impressed with was, uh, let's see, where is it? Um, oh, all right, give me a sec. Give me four, three, I bombed two, Korea one. every night. Pork soda. Pork soda? Yeah. Oh, that sounds familiar for some reason. Yeah, it's a uh, Primus yeah. album, which I was reading Master and Margarita, and if you want the remainder of the Master and Margarita discussion, please sign up for our Patreon Ooh, at yeah. patreon.com. Just cut thing. straight to it. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Oh, it's just, well, real, it's real just such a different like place that art exists in a process like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I get yeah, drunk so, on paintings. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just go to the I go to the Met and then I go drive and let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> it can't do nothing about I that. I got pulled over once in New York City. I was like, officer, I was I was at the moment. What can I say? What can I say? Like, let me license and registration, and you just hand him like one of those like wallet sized reproductions of like. You just the, hand uh, him Starry like... Night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you, you just have it in your back seat. Did you steal this? You roll down your. You're trying. You're trying to cram it through your window and just destroying it. And then, <laughs> officer, look, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to disobey. You know, 
I just want to obey the law. I want to be a good boy. Yeah, but it's it's and, like uh, in a it's if, like in a sleeve. Like you've put it in like a plastic sleeve or something. It's like what? It's not an open yeah. container. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you just have like several priceless pieces of art connected by those little like plastic <laughs> uh, can holder things, like the little can yeah, loops. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I will get us back on track. Uh-huh. Um, a little more. So, all right. So now that we've talked, sort of like sort of theoretically about aged aged wine theoretically. more practically i guess what are you saying theoretically you saying it's not practical to try and discuss gravity's rainbow and the master and margarita as metaphors <laughs> for wine tom no it is yeah. except if you're like as brain poisoned and uh, as overeducated as we are yeah no it's completely practical but um to be like what was this episode about uh i mean mostly like uh bulgakov mm-hmm. so um, but also pension. Mm. And, um, you know, we tried to, I really wanted to bring up, uh, asking if you've read Dead Souls. I've not. Because, uh, I I've, haven't I've, read any Gogol and yeah. I feel like I, I should. No, that's, that's the one that I've been told to read. Um, yeah, I've not read it. Yeah. But it's going to be my next, uh, after I read 2660s. No, actually, I want to uh, wait. I want to read that one with you. We can do like a little book club. Mm, yeah, we should do that for that yeah. one as well. Because that way you can, you know, yeah. you've read that once, right? Yeah. Okay, nice. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I received a question. We've got this. <laughs> Don't worry, we got it. Look, we, I got, we're, <laughs> we're dumb guys. We're dumb guys. Yes. Trying to talk about things we care about. Mm-hmm. In terms that make people think they should listen to us because it sounds like we're smart. Uh, we're not. But we know how the game is played, and we have been mm-hmm. taken in throughout mm-hmm. our lives by that precise grift. And we have yeah. come to the point of recognizing that it's a grift and being at a loss for where to turn in a world full of people saying how smart they are. In a world. In a world. In a world <laughs> full of wine critics and wine that are all much worse than people want you to think they are. Where can so, two right, so. <laughs> young assholes go to get Hot, their fix? Young, tight assholes. You want to like wine, but everywhere you In go, the twilight zone. people are telling you, you have to drink this unsulfured natural wine made <laughs> from a varietal that's been extinct for 30 years. But cuttings were found in the tomb of a man who was once described by a Nazi war criminal as so annoying we killed him just because he was in our way. On, he was Aryan yeah. and followed all the rules. On this week's edition of Tales from the Jura. <laughs> that sounds like something that could happen Amen. in the Jura. Some, yeah, probably. Some, some guy who like had a bunch of cuttings of a, a plant that like he had to you know that yeah. died, but you know he was gonna try to graft, but then he was killed by Nazis. Yeah. That could be in a Bologna yeah. novel. Yeah, yeah, it could be. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I need to. I need to get us back on. <laughs> we only have like sixteen minutes left of this episode. <laughs> but, I love so it. I that, love it so um, much. We are. I'm not <laughs> drinking right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah so that <laughs> that one girl who we were talking about before who said don't well, she didn't say she said that's a that's a lot of penis in there in a podcast but, um, where we're she... accused of talking too much about penises we'll abruptly change course and talk about nothing but postmodern <laughs> literature
<laughs> oh, god damn. Um, so I said, hey, do you want us to talk about anything right now? And she's like, oh, I see, what's the topic? He said, old age one. She said, oh, I know nothing. Like, please just include some actual information. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. So she said, aging white versus red. Mm, so okay, so yeah. before I do yeah. that, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. So generally speaking, like, youthful characteristics of wine are fruit forward. Like, it's just fruit, basically. And then as it ages... It will shift more towards riper fruit characteristics towards more savory ones. So it'll start tasting, it'll stop tasting. We've talked about this a little bit, but like it won't be like a fresh strawberry. It might be like a, like a slightly, like maybe slightly desiccated or, or like baked a little bit or like poached or, you know, roasted or something like that. But it'll, it'll transform some way from ripe to some other characteristic of it and eventually eventually over time that strawberry flavor will just completely fade away and that's with like very old wines yeah and um more like herbal earthy subois is one characteristic that just means like forest floor like like below the trees mossy. yeah yeah exactly so um that kind of thing um yeah so those are essentially like and it'll, the, the structure will change quite a bit it'll get it'll the tannins get more mellow and finer the acid will decrease over time um and so that's why typically sort of more structured wines meaning higher acid higher acidity um and then we'll ignore like sugar content and alcohol for now but those wines with those things uh red wines with with higher acids higher tannins tend to age longer because those uh it'll basically take longer for it to no longer be like acidic or tannic in a way that would resemble a wine that you might like now there are wines like let's say that like we we joke about like person drinking fifty year old DRC or seven year old DRC or whatever, but there are people who you know as everybody there are people who like it you know everything. There are people I'm sure who like wine that is twenty years old, twenty years older than what most people would consider like drinkable because they probably like when the like there's absolutely no fruit, there's like no tannins like for red wine speaking. Mm-hmm. There is some acidity, but it's just very gentle and it's all that sort of weird savory kind of stuff and i totally get that but you know so that like recommended age window is very arbitrary based on like the average um whatever like palette or the average preference or something like that um can i cut in very quickly here yeah yeah yeah, there's a very so because the other thing that will happen over long enough with the Mm -hmm. and and this relates a little bit to like wine being left open on the counter which again very much Mm -hmm. related to like the overall quality of the wine the better the wine is the better chance it stands of standing up over time as a general rule i know i was speaking against that earlier but like the just in broad strokes but that there are other considerations to make but the basically the chemical integrity of the wine will play out over time in a way that like what you're talking about right now, very, very old wine that should have turned to vinegar. If it's really, really mm-hmm. good, I've, and I've only had a couple wines like this, but if a wine can collapse into subtleties that are more and more ephemeral and mm-hmm. the, the things that are happening are subtler and subtler and subtler until you're not even sure something is going on, yeah, that, that can be really, really cool. Like I say, I've only had it happen a couple times with wines i've gotten to drink but Mm -hmm. like a wine that's really really old where everything's collapsed into these savory things that are getting more muted over time but it's not clearly bad like it's not musty it's not vinegary it's not you know Mm -hmm. unpleasant that is a very cool thing and it's it's something that uh i i like 
it's worth encountering old wine, whether or not you like it, or it's like the kind of wine you want to be drinking all the time. It's a very, it can be a very like um, sort of, uh, it, it, uh, what's the term? Uh, shit. It's, yeah, it can be a very hot, sexy uh, process. No, it, it, <laughs> it just can provide perspective in a really cool way, or it can be very um, sort of, uh, enlightening feels Oof. like the wrong word. Enlightening is too, you know. No, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think it can be lightning, but it also just completely shifts your perspective on, like, what... Yeah, perspective What broadening. it can be and what can happen to this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, that was a... that went on longer than I meant for it to, but... No, no, no. Please continue. <laughs> Don't worry. It's like, yeah, so it's like that big Amarone, mm-hmm. that Tomasi Amarone from 1971 transforming into this, like, completely... What's typically referred to as, like, Burgundian, which means, like, ethereal, elegant, light, pretty... Yeah. Um transformed to that which i never in a million years would i've thought because the alcohol content doesn't change over years if anything if there's some like decrease in volume through the bottle that would like you know actually depending on what temperature the cellar's in or what humidity yeah. the cellar's in temperature yeah then it could determine whether or not like alcohol or water is evaporating out of it. but that's like you know that's completely that's far too fine of a point to be making right now but how dare you um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, yeah, t- typically, basically with most wines, it goes more towards fruit to savory. Reds will vary, like, certain characteristic things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Meatiness are a bit can, different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like... like That um, can change in all sorts of weird ways over time. Yeah, I feel like reds change more sort of typically. Like, there is more of an old red wine characteristic flavor that we'll get to yeah, in a bit. Yeah. But with, with white wine, it sort of varies pretty greatly based on which grape. Yeah. Like, Riesling is sort of the, like, the uh, prototypical example because, like, it gets that very distinct, like, petrol, mm-hmm. asphalt, whatever you want to call it, um, f- like, aroma to it yep. that's pronounced neither you like it or you don't. Yep. There's that one guy who owns that wine shop that I go to all the time. He hates it. That's, so yeah. it's like, okay, he just he just doesn't like old Riesling. Just, that's totally fine. He doesn't yeah. like it. Like, I fucking love it. Well, it's it. so funny to me because I find it to be one of the most, like, refreshing things. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. Yeah. That nothing else can quite mimic like it's not you know like yeah it's 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 not like a uh like a strawberry flavor that you can that you can sort of get replicated by some other uh encounter with a strawberry and you're like the way that you're comparing yeah. the flavor in the wine to something like it's it's a truly it's truly something that like riesling can develop over time and then nothing else mm-hmm. you'll ever drink or eat will quite have that yeah thing going on yeah no it's it's incredible especially because riesling varies a lot too based on the, like sugar content in the wine yeah so um older riesling like there could still be a bunch of fruit in there but it'll get more it's just sort of like as like steve would put it, it just kind of grows up mm-hmm. and it becomes more itself and it becomes more um more kind of like distinct and you want to put it in sort of like a personified way it um it becomes more of what it is mm. versus when it's younger you could have six rieslings all lined up they would taste pretty similar but then when they're older, they would like they would diverge quite a bit from each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's more more so like I guess an argument can be made for terroir in aged wines even more than it can in younger wines. Yeah. Because of those like subtle differences appear when they're younger, when they're older, it becomes much more pronounced. That's like yeah. certain wines. Uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh well, that exact thing is a, th- a theory I've heard put forward about Chardonnay, which is mm-hmm. if you make like no matter how you make Chardonnay, if you make it well over time, Chardonnays from certain places will all converge back to a similar profile based on their terroir. So cool, yeah. 
I haven't had I haven't gotten to have huge experience with that because there aren't any like mm-hmm. vineyards producing Chardonnay that I have enough experience with over enough time from enough producers doing different mm-hmm. things when they're young. Um, right. But uh, it is it is um, something I've heard discussed as a sort of potential quality and or quality that has been observed of really good vineyards by really good producers. Um, and I've, you know, totally. that's that I, I say that as it was a thing that I heard people who I have a lot of respect for saying, but I, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that's, that's like, that's basically like what Burgundy is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are two of the most like terroir transparent grapes that there are not the only two, but two of the most. And especially when you combine that with a region like Burgundy, where the geology is so complex, mm-hmm. and you, it just you know it, it it allows for like in like it's just an unbelievably large amount of possibilities, and uh, yeah, but you know there, there are other grapes that you know so typical red grapes that can age. I mean, almost any red grape that can be aged if it's made in the right way. Yeah, like I'm yeah I'm trying to think of maybe. Because even once people say, like, oh, Gamay can't age. That's exactly the one I was thinking just, of, yeah. Yeah, not as long as the other well, ones. And, people, and you won't, you know, yeah. Not as long as, like, Nebbiolo or, or uh, like, Cab. Or well, whatever. and Nebbiolo and Cab Franc are the two that I was thinking of as, like, the best examples of things that you should. Those are the two of the varietals I take the most seriously as, like, oh, they you really should give them. Uh, some time mm-hmm. to age, particularly with like um, DOC or DOCG, uh, you know, Barolo or Barbaresco. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then with uh, like Loire Cab Franc, um, th- those are things that, you know, I I have had several that I like relatively young, but they are ones where it's like every time I get the chance to try one that is significantly aged, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is the point. This is what this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, and Cab Sauv produced in certain, with certain, you know, uh, mentalities, I think is, you know, another great example of like Cab, well, sorry, that like Nebbiolo and Cab Franc uh, feel like varietals where I'm pretty much on board with that as a quality of the grapes. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, the Gamay point you make, I, I do think a problem there is not many people make Gamay towards being aged very intentionally. Cause mm-hmm. it, and again, this is, you know, part of that whole like, over overwrought over uh lugubrious um metaphor about art or discussion about art and winemaking and art like there are things mm-hmm. you do as a winemaker which will impact you know um the ageability of a wine the expression of a yeah. wine in in moments of its aging um you do have an impact on those things uh but they aren't always necessarily the the one you meant to have or the thing like Mm because all winemakers want to make the best wine they can out of their grapes they just have wildly different opinions about what the best thing is and um wildly different sort of like conceptions of the reality of their skill to achieve that so Mm -hmm. which you know is it again one of the more salient um differences between old world and new world winemaking in big scare quotes because there are different mm-hmm. different traditions around what it means to be a winemaker in old world and new world uh, um, production yeah. markets mm-hmm. which are labor markets which goes back to class discussions and discussions of like the ec and all that stuff we don't need to do that because we're talking about red varietals that age well or aren't meant for aging which you were continuing to talk about when i interrupted you to once again yeah spiral out of control (laughs) no no i just i just realized this i think i wrote an article about like a blog post about this 
Uh, I can't remember, but, um, so, you know, check that out, um, corktaint.blog, and, uh, I think, I mean, this is me saying that, I don't know if I actually did, <laughs> I should check, <laughs> but I think I did, but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, and so typically, like, other, other, um, of, like, white grapes that are, that are known for being the most age-worthy are, like, Chardonnay and Riesling and, um, Chenin Blanc, definitely. Mm-hmm. People don't really, like, give that as much credit, just generally as a grape. Um, and, um... But heaven forbid you age Pinot Gris. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Despite the fact <clears throat> that well, yeah, you I mean, can, like, and sometimes it's, it's really acid. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but, I mean, like, a lot of things that are high acid, like that Gewürztraminer mm-hmm. that, that I, like, rave about, that thing is, you know, I had a bottle that was 12 years old, and it tasted like it was, like, out, out of, fresh out of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it was unbelievable. So, like, it's not as easy as just saying, like, oh, it's got high acid, or, you know. Yeah, Sauvignon Blanc's another one that, like, you know, I I, mm-hmm. I think there are examples of quite age-worthy Sauvignon Blanc out there, or definitely have aged well. Yeah. Is that how the majority of Sauvignon Blanc being made in the world is approached? No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but, you know. No, but, yeah, and then, yeah, no, Pinot Gris, you think about, is most Pinot Grigio made to age? Absolutely not, you know. <laughs> no. But it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's a tough subject, because, like, when it comes down to it, it's it's subjective, and you have to kind of figure out what it is that you like, and the only way for you to figure that out is to try enough stuff, and it's like, when I was first getting into wine, I was reading as many books as I could, and reading as much as I could and, and talking to people. And they're like, the only only way that you, like, really learn any of this shit is just by tasting a lot. Yeah. Either, either you, like, get a job working in the wine industry where you can taste stuff or have, like, a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have a billion dollars. Like, well, yep, yeah, then, uh, or, or you wait, like, over the course of, like, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And you buy individual, you buy a bottle every week or something, and then you taste it and you write down, you know. But then even then, it's like, what if you want to do a lineup of six wines side by side? Then it's like, all right, well, I have to save up for this long period of time to do this, or you get a group of people. But like, it's there's no easy way to do it other than just doing it. So you're not gonna know whether or not you like aged wine until you have it, and you know, and you know, like so, like this wine that I'm drinking now, I got a bottle of uh, wine from Hedges, like a library wine of theirs, um, and I've had a couple of them. Uh, I had one on the, the Malbec episode that I was, like, crazy about because it was super fucking good. And um, this one is, like, it's how I would describe it, I guess, is it just seems more... Again, this is not going to make any sense to people who aren't, like, super into it, but, like, it just seems much more, like, relaxed and it's not as tense. Mm. And um, the aged wine with, like... Th- there's this thing that, you know, if you have, like... If you go to the store, you buy a bottle of, like, cab and you have it with a piece of meat or with food, you're like, oh, this goes well together, but, like... When you have wine with age on it, this is a uh, 2006. When you have wine with age on it, with food, it's like unbelievable. Like I, I don't even know how to describe how it just melds in. Yeah. It's not like oh here's the wine here here's the food here. It melds in like perfectly, and it's just much more like harmonious. And I guess maybe it, because it is more relaxed, it's not like in your face like oh I'm the I'm the wine you're drinking with this meal. It's like oh I'm just gonna. I'm just going to just work my way into here and just going to get comfortable. Well, and I think that that has a lot to do with, like we were talking about earlier, the change of tannins and acid over time and yeah, what definitely. those do to your mouth. Because they're very hard on your mouth when, when wines are young, mm-hmm. especially big wines, like wines that, you know, like Nebbiolo yeah. and Cab Franc, examples of mm-hmm. stuff we were talking about that needs age on it. Oh, fuck. I just had a realization that um, 
I'll tell you in a second. Oh, well, I was just going to say, like, those, those, as those things develop in the bottle, basically work that your mouth does in, in different ways, but, like, the work that your mouth has to do to, like, handle high acid, high tannin when stuff's young, mm-hmm. that work is done over time in the bottle through polymerization and oxidation and all that stuff so that when it, when you drink exactly. it, your mouth can just, like, enjoy mm-hmm. the other parts of it that are left over along with the flavors of the food. Like, the, it's it's yeah. less of a the things having to pair well and the fact that they just become sort of one thing that you get to experience in a, yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. There are chemical no, reasons these so, things happen. <laughs> no, no, totally. And, yeah, so describe the, the flavor profile. This is, like, 40% Merlot, 40% Cab, and 20% Syrah. And, um... The wines, all their wines are very good, mm. and uh, again, this is the the twenty fifth time in one way or another through this podcast and or blog or whatever that I've been like, yeah, no, these wines are this producer is yeah. great. Hedges actually provided but, the seed funding for the podcast overall. We can just finally admit that now. They did, yeah, no, they gave us twenty five million dollars yeah. um, to and seventeen new French oak barrels for some. Yeah, reason. I don't know why. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we don't even use that much new French oak. It's like I know, but you know. It's pretty. We're making shelving out of them. Um, we are, yeah. We're, we're just sawing them in a half. Pinterest projects. We got a bunch of planters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, so like this definitely has you know whatever ripe like it had a lot of blue fruit like right in the like when I opened it up yesterday. And oh, another thing is that aged wine like if it's 20, 15, 10, 15, 20 years old, um, it's pretty much good the first day. And then after it's been open for more than 24 hours, it's not really good anymore. Like it goes, whereas you can keep another regular bottle of wine open for like a couple of days, it's fine. Yeah. Age wine, you got to drink it like right away. Yeah, because again, those those processes um, have all been going on very slowly for a very long time. Yeah. So they're just at a different point yeah. of, you know, the the controlled parabola of its of its lifespan is... Uh, oh, bring that gravity's rainbow yeah, in Yeah, that's here. exactly bring right. That, bring yeah. that in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, nuclear chodes, that's... <laughs> write that oh down. man yeah that's so good but um no so so this so yeah so this wine it has it still has a lot of like the fruit's not like blueberry and those sort of like i say like red or black or blue fruit blue fruit doesn't necessarily mean blueberries it means like yeah if you imagine it's sort of as like a, a, a spectrum going from red blue purple or something like that yeah it's just sort of like you pick some sort of like open set <laughs> pick like an, yeah. an, an open interval mm-hmm. somewhere around mm-hmm. blue fruit and that's sort of like oh this yeah. is this is what you choose blue, blue fruit to be yeah blue fruit's um, a very like it's a very tricky for me uh part of the spectrum with fruit flavors in wine blue is always yeah. the one that it can be very important to very very good wine but it yeah. always flirts with that like dangerous sort of like blown out place oh totally yeah and like yeah, so this has like, it's gonna sound bad, but it's not bad. No, no. So yeah. you know how like, you know how like blue raspberry, like an artificial yep. blue raspberry, mm-hmm. it has that like extremely high acidity to mm-hmm. it. That's how that's how I'm visualizing like like good legitimate plump like blueberries yep. with that like blue raspberry like lightning acidity. Yeah, is what it smells but, like. And there's that little. It, maybe this is going a bit off the point but like that little like hint of mentholiness yeah that yeah, yeah. like totally. you know it's all these little things that if any part of it was like the the uh the resolution on any of them was turned up a little bit too much they would immediately blow the rest of the the, the characteristics out but 
No, absolutely. And they know exactly what they're doing. They've nailed it. Like, a lot of their wines are Cab Merlot Syrah mm-hmm. blends because it's it's such a good blend. Yeah. Especially with age on it because, like, from the Merlot, you get this, like, chocolatey, minty, yeah. like, sort of fruit punchy type mm-hmm. of deal. And then Cab will give you a little bit of that. Like, with age, it'll give you a little bit of that, like, vegetal, but not in, like, a like raw green bell yeah. pepper way. It'll be, like, um, more like parsley mm-hmm. kind of. But they can also wear yeah. that sort of, like, what you say? Oh, like cilantro, but... Oh yeah, yeah. Not, not I mean, not as much cilantro no, yeah. in this, but more like I, I was just trying to think of a way to describe like green, like vegetal characteristics that don't have the negative connotation of green bell peppers. No, yeah, I yeah, fucking yeah. hate green bell peppers. But um, is it pyrazine? Is that the compound? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it has um a little bit of like I don't know if they did any whole cluster, but it has a little bit of that like stemmy whole cluster thing mm-hmm. where it's like in the same way where I sort of like derisively talked about the like fake Christmas the, like mm, the, the yeah. Christmas spice Christmas wreath spice on the, the New World wine from like Maryland mm-hmm. this has similarly the same sort of like Christmas wreath-esque but in like the good version of it like yeah. the very delicious well, version it's it. one of the things that's constant in wine is that like sort of intangible barrier between an artificial flavor and the thing that the artificial flavor mm-hmm. is trying to imitate and like which yeah, exactly. side of that you fall yeah. on with certain Mm-hmm. certain uh certain wines this is going to get us on a tangent because this will inevitably tie into gravity's rainbow but uh <laughs> artificial banana flavor mm-hmm. is v- is a very interesting and that's a whole yeah. conversation artificial we'll banana flavor that would also be a great uh title for a <laughs> sequel to gravity's rainbow <laughs> <laughs> nuclear codes and artificial artificially banana banana flavored nuclear chodes <laughs> Is really tying oh, it all together. That's just mm. that's <laughs> I tie, uh, tie my cock in a bow. Mm, mm-hmm. But uh, so many dicks. But yeah, so then it has <laughs> it has that, and then it has more like black fruit from the Syrah, and it has does, yep. does have a bit of like spiciness and pepperiness, and that spice pepper combo may have like sort of transformed into that. Yeah. Um, Syrah. Oh, sorry. No, no, it may have transformed into that Christmas tree thing. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of that uh, fucking, um, what the fuck is it? It's not cosmic. Uh, what is that called? Where Chomsky talks about the, like, Sylvester the, the donkey. Uh, him, <laughs> what? The, the story with his kids. Yeah, there's oh, a story right, where he's, yeah, he's right, trying right, to right, right, right. Um, talk about the notion of uh, psychic, what is it? Psychic. Uh, psychic permanence. No, it's like psychic transformation yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Because the donkey becomes yeah, an elephant, like, but it's still the donkey. Yeah, the donkey turns into an elephant and then turns into a rock and then turns into a bus and turns back into the donkey. And the whole time it was the donkey. Psychic consistency. Like four-year-olds are able to understand. Yeah. Psychic. Oh, psychic continuity. That's, yeah, continuity. Yeah, yeah. And but and for some reason, four-year-old children are able to understand the fact that even though it's a rock, it's still a donkey. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, because well, he, my sister, I, will appreciate us bringing up Chomsky. Didn't Chomsky yeah. work. I think Chomsky studied with. Uh, Piaget, the psychologist who came up with Piaget yeah. tests, and they're all about that, so. like that idea of like, mm. mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, the sort of like yeah. semantic constructions of looking at something and understanding the actual mechanics of what's going on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, but it was, there was one real quick thing I wanted to say to wrap oh, up yeah, before we yeah. finished. Um, uh, and I think it was about this wine, but I don't really remember. O- only thing I was going to say is just that like it's it's very. It's it's harmonious in a way where this wine probably not that the wine wasn't when it was younger, but it's a much more relaxed version of itself. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
it's much more like approachable and it's 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 so good and that's the kind of thing that you know i probably wouldn't like this wine with like four five more years age on it Mm -hmm. i would like it probably now for the next like three years and that doesn't mean that somebody else wouldn't like it but just for my own personal preference and given what this wine is i mean i like if i had if i had like three of these or if i had like two more of these i would probably drink one in like maybe three years or something and then i would hold on to the other one for like seven years and just see like where's this gonna go you know like what's gonna fucking happen to this thing yeah um so the thing that just occurred to me with mm-hmm. talking about that wine um just at, to like offer something that we basically that we rarely pull together the clarity to do um corkedin.com slash uh, i mean i mean patreon.com slash yeah mm-hmm. uh <laughs> in term like in terms of offering someone advice about encountering aged wine two varietals that mm-hmm. on in terms mm. of red wine i would highly recommend would be syrah and tempranillo mm. um tempranillo particularly oh, yeah. because you can buy tempranillos of different agings from the yeah, same producers and try them next yeah. to each other uh yeah and then syrah because there is this syrah syrah has the caveat of like you kind of have to like syrah anyways um mm-hmm. for it to be a good um investigation of this but syrah is like better than pinot i think at demonstrating a the the way that bigger more aggressive things transmute over time into subtler mm-hmm. ones mm-hmm so that totally yeah. happens in Pinot, but Pinot can start from a very elegant place and wind up somewhere very, very different, but still elegant. Whereas Syrah yeah. will start in a maybe elegant, but very sort of aggressive place and might wind up somewhere much, much more relaxed and calm or con- mm-hmm. contemplative, but still very energetic yeah. and powerful. Um, yeah. And then, so like with Reds, I would probably recommend if people are interested in like a good example of what aging wine can do to its flavor profile, Tempranillo, which I think mm-hmm. I've said before, um, yeah, I think so. uh, is a great, it's a great varietal to explore that with, um, red blends also tend to be, um, and then as we mm-hmm. were as saying earlier, uh, for wines that like the point it, like it's valuable to age them just to get to where they like really need to express themselves is uh, or need to be mm-hmm. to express themselves would be like Cab Franc or um, Nebbiolo. And then those also Nebbiolo is nice because there is also then with that the opportunity to drink young versions made to be drunk young that are still quite good. So, uh, yeah, uh, but with whites and you basically said this earlier, um, Riesling is a great sort of window. And again, it's like the, the Syrah thing. You kind of have to like Riesling anyways to be interested in it but you'll discover that like liking young riesling doesn't necessarily mean you'll like old riesling because of the thing that changes over time with them um mm-hmm. that's all to say like yeah and we kind of hinted at this it's nice to learn oh, thank you um it's nice to like learn how to negotiate aged wine so that you can then really enjoy what that how that expresses in pinot and chardonnay because uh, yeah like you were saying those are both such incredible expressions of terroir especially when they're aged but you know i um i'm i was trying to be focused and i'm losing the focus of the focus thing uh Mm. yeah no like you were saying uh you just have to go out and try wines and and encounter these things um but in terms of like the most enjoyable interesting encounters you can have or that i've personally had uh with developing an understanding of aged wine tempranillo and riesling were very helpful varietals to me um yeah particularly tempranillo is also also probably the, the easiest because 
just because of like the Crianza Rio, uh, Reserva, Gran Reserva, like yeah, labeling requirements. Mm-hmm. Like Gran Reservas can't be released until they're at least like five years old. Yeah. I think. So if you go buy a bottle of Gran Reserva out there, and you can find ones that aren't incredibly expensive, um, it will have to be like if a store has a bottle of Gran Reserva Rioja, it is more than five yeah. years old. Or at least five years old, you know? Yeah. So, um, and five years is sort of like the first, like, that's a good gate age for the first, like... Yeah, like, that's, that's yeah, that's that's when it, that's kind of when it yeah. starts shifting a bit. You hit that one, and then the next one is uh, sort of around ten years, you know? And yeah. then the next one, yeah. the next sort of transformation for aging wines kind of happens. And this is, like, all very, very vague, but, like, there's five, ten, mm-hmm. and, like, twenty are big, like, changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. All right, I'm going to... Uh, we're at like an hour and 20. I'll probably take a little bit of that, like, <laughs> Master and Margarita rant we went on out. I don't but, know what you're uh, talking about. We'll, we'll cut this off, and we can... I mean, I may or may not. We'll see. But, I do uh, like the... Uh, yeah. The, what is it? The structural mimesis of censoring a conversation about Master and Margarita. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. <laughs> it's very fitting. Yeah. All right, uh, patreon.com slash corktaint, uh, blog. We have blog mm. posts. Um, more coming soon. And um, Instagram, follow us at K-O-R-K-T-A-I-N-T, so corktaint. No C's, no C's, only K's. Uh-oh. And uh, that's really it. Please tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your lovers. Tell your family. Tell, tell, tell your, your family. dog. Tell... Tell your tell cats, your neighbor's dog. Tell your gerbils to tell uh, Richard Gear <laughs> to listen to our podcast. Is it a gerbil or a hamster? Ah, uh, oh, damn! It's one of those things where I what feel like. What is the difference between a gerbil and I, a hamster? I don't know. Mm. I feel like there. It's like uh, I mean, alligators and crocodiles are much more. Yeah. Like distinct. well, it's like moles and gophers uh, are definitely different, but you know. Oh yeah, no, they're way different. I mean, just size wise, they're enormously different. But. Uh, Getting my testicles snared in a gopher oh trap. My God, that was a line that I think changed your life for an instant. Yeah. Uh, oh God. <laughs> You're like, no, I, I, I know what gopher traps look like, and I know what snare, like snaring, is a very specific yeah. uh, word to use. Caught, for that. caught in a gopher trap, not nearly as bad. No. <laughs> snared is <laughs> snared is bad. Snared is bad news. <laughs> snared is bad news. Bad news. Snares. Bad news snares. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.